Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Well, good morning. My name's Robin. I'm one of the pastors here. For those of you I haven't got the opportunity to meet yet, um, I met some new people for the first time. Welcome to church. We are so happy that a friend invited you or maybe you followed a bus ad here. Um, We're glad you're in the room with us. We're in the middle of a series that we're calling Rooted. And just to give you a little bit of recap this morning before we dive in, uh, we're talking about what it looks like to be firmly rooted and planted in the things of God. Tim opened up this series a few weeks ago talking about dirt. I know that's not a very interesting topic, but it actually was. He was talking about what the soil of our hearts should look like. After that, we went through Psalm 1 and we talked about when we, are, when we meditate on the word of God that we are like a tree planted alongside water and that we will thrive in every single season. After that, David, the amazing David... Uh, He preached about being rooted in the house of God. And then last week, Tim brought a word about our identity and how our identity has to be rooted in Christ and what that looks like. Come on, I've been enjoying this series, and I'm really proud of myself for remembering what all these weeks were about. So I'm going to quiz you later, and you're going to tell me. Uh, But this week, I get to add to it, and we're going to be talking about what it looks like to be rooted in love. Not just any love, but what it looks like to be rooted in God's love. Come on, this morning, if you are taking notes, the title is uh, actually inspired. I, I was thinking of Tina Turner when she asked what love had to do with it. And I answer her this morning and I say everything. So our title this morning is, It's All About Love. Tell your neighbor, say, it's all about love. Come on, don't you just love love? And even mostly, I think we love the romantic kind of love. We love hearing people's stories. If you weren't at church last week, we had three couples get engaged. Come on now. I see you guys. One got engaged in the middle of the service. So don't miss church. You never know what might happen. You might get proposed to. And David was preaching about being a part of the house. I just want you to know, if you commit to the house, you just might find a spouse. So, I'm a bit of a matchmaker. I've hooked a few couples up. So, if you're hoping and scoping, you can email me at connect at tfh.church. I'll see what I can do. Might just have a spouse for you. I think I'm going to rhyme this whole time and that's going to be fun. Run that whole time. Oh, I'm hot. Whoa. Where are we going? Where are we going? Speaking of love, Tim and I celebrated our 15-year wedding anniversary. And after 15 years, in my thought process, I would have thought that we knew each other, like, completely. Like, there was nothing new to find out about my husband. But I found out something new about him just this last Friday. We were sitting down to dinner, and I had two plates. I had the dinner table all set, and I had my food over here. I had his food over here, and he walks up, and he sits down at my place. Now, I knew this was my plate because on my salad, I didn't put tomatoes because I don't like tomatoes on my salad. On his plate, I had like eight beautiful red tomatoes, and he sits down at my place. I said, oh, no, 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 this is your food over here, and he said, oh, I thought maybe this was mine because I don't like tomatoes. And I said, excuse me? 
you don't like tomatoes? How long has this been going on? Because you used to like tomatoes. He's like, for a while now. And I'm like, okay, so let's get this straight. Is this any kind of tomato? Is this cherry tomatoes that you just don't like that are on your plate? Or like, have we thrown out all tomatoes? Vine ripen, like heirloom, do you not like any kind of tomato? And he proceeded to tell me that he doesn't like any kind of tomato. We didn't talk about salsa. Are you okay with salsa? We would have a problem if you weren't okay with salsa because it's like a main food group for me. Okay. I love love, and I love hearing stories of people's love. In fact, I love talking about love. Uh, A couple months back, I preached about how the two most important things that we can do with our lives is know how to love God and how to love other people. Well, this morning, I still believe that statement to be true, but I want to add to that. Because in order to love God and love other people well, I think we first have to have the right understanding of the type of love that God extends to us. And that's what we're going to dive into this morning. See, right now you might be thinking, Robin, I know that God loves me. Like I've been going to church since I was a child and I learned at a young age that Jesus loves me. This is in fact a thing I know. Why? Because the Bible, well, it told me so. And I know you know a certain type of love because you've got humans around you that extend love to you. I know your mama loves you. I know you probably have friends who love you. I know if you're in the room today and you're married, you have a spouse that loves you. But I also know that each and every one of us have experienced a sour kind of love. Whether that was a friend who was like, I'm ride or die, but they ended up leaving you high and dry and they just left and no longer is there love in that relationship. You're not friends anymore. Or maybe it is a spouse that committed to loving you until death did you part. But when they found out that their expectations weren't being met, they weren't who you thought they were, all of a sudden their love grew cold. Or maybe it's the situation for you is you thought that you would have a parent who would love you unconditionally, but they abandoned you. Come on, we've all experienced a sour kind of love. We've all had love ripped out from underneath us. And for those of you who are like, nah, that's not true for me. Every person that loves me has never stopped loving me. My mama You said it at the beginning. She loves me. I know if everybody else leaves me, my mom will still love me. I have news for you this morning. Even your mom won't love you perfectly. That friend won't love you perfectly. That spouse doesn't love you perfectly. And even your mom doesn't love you perfectly. Now, this morning, I think that if we're thinking about God's love, we need to pay attention to the fact that Other people have loved us a certain way. And I think that this flawed, imperfect love that we've received from other people has kind of skewed our view on how God loves us. It's influenced us. Let me say it this way. If we've experienced imperfect love from others, we expect imperfect love from God. How do I know this to be true? Well, for the past... 10 years, it's been my job as a pastor to walk with you Christians, to talk with you Christians, to counsel you Christians. And I've come to realize that people have a skewed version of the way that God loves them. And to be honest, 
in parts of my life and my walk as a believer, I too have had a skew view of how God loves me. The times when I haven't been confident that he'll love me no matter what. The times when I have maybe had shifty faith and not really founded and established myself in the true love of God. And I know that many of us have thought this. So this morning, we're going to dive into this, and we're going to read the Bible because that's a really good thing to do in church and not just have my opinion. So we're going to read through a portion of uh, Scripture in Ephesians chapter 3. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to that now. We also will have it on the screen in a minute. But as you turn there, let me give you a little bit of context. This is Paul, and he's writing to the Ephesians. And these, this is a group of young believers and this group of young believers needed to be reminded of who they were as believers and how they should live. He was encouraging them and exhorting them and saying, this is who you are and here's what your life should look like as a result. See, in the room this morning, you might be here and you can relate to these young Christians because you would say yourself, hey, I haven't been a Christian that long. I too am a new believer. Or maybe you're in the room today and you're like, that's cool, he wrote that to them. I'm actually a seasoned believer. Or maybe you're in the room this morning unsure of God's love for you. No matter what season you are in or what place you're at in your journey, I believe that this morning God wants us to understand his true love. So the portion of scripture we'll be hanging out in isn't just a letter that Paul wrote. It's actually a prayer that Paul prays over the, the Ephesians. So we'll pick it up in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. It says, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Now, I know that Paul said we can't understand fully the depth of Christ's love. Yet, I think here he gives us some clues of how God loves us so that we can perhaps have a better picture of the kind of love that God has for us. See, Paul's prayer here to these young believers, and I think his prayer here for us in this room, is that we would understand that God's love is the foundation of our Christianity. That when we put our trust in Christ, that as that happens, we would come to know and understand the all-loving God. That as we do this, that we would realize that his love is for us and we would put our roots deep down into the solid rock of his love and it would become a foundation that would permeate every single aspect of our lives. So if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. When we don't know the true love of God, our roots are weak, and our foundation is faulty. See, as human beings, we have a certain capacity to give and receive love. But God, he's different. He doesn't simply just extend love to us. As human beings, uh, love can be an emotion or a feeling. Some might even call it a deep conviction. But if you know feelings, especially, you know, a very feeler of a lady in the room, you understand that feelings can come and they can go. They're fickle. They can change. 
but God is different. The Bible says that God is love. He is love. God himself is love. It means that he doesn't simply experience it. It's not something that he simply gives to us, but it's the very nature of who God is. Now, the Bible describes God's love as immeasurable. We read that in that scripture. It's immeasurable. Yet that is an impossible adjective for us to even comprehend. So I think that's why Paul, in an effort to help us understand what this love looks like, he describes God's love in measurements. He said it's long, it's high, it's deep, it's wide. This morning, I want to break down these four measurements that Paul uses to describe how we can be rooted in God's love. You guys up for that this morning? Come on. So the first measurement that Paul describes, the first thing he says is he says, he describes the width of God's love. God's love is wide. God's love is broad. It's vast. It's spacious. It stretches from one end to the, of the earth to the other. It's not just capable of loving us all here in this room, but because of the width of his love, he's able to stretch his love all the way around the planet. You sitting here in this room, he loves you. He loves you, Ty, right here in this room. But because of the width of his love, he's also able to love some guy named Bill in Australia. He loves you both. And that may be something that you're like, duh, like I can love a person in Australia and Ty sitting here in this room. But let's take it a step further. Because of the width of God's love, he's able to love in his, with all of his capacity, he's able to love all 7.5 billion humans on this planet. Because of the width of his love, he can love you, Ty, in his fullness, but he can also love all 7.5 billion people in his fullness. And not only does God love all of us simultaneously, but God also loves all of us differently. See, before I had kids, I always thought to myself, no matter how many kids I have, I'm going to love them exactly the same. I'm not going to play favorites of I love this one more than this one. I am going to love my kids exactly the same. Even though out of me and my brother and sister, I'm my parents' favorite and they love me the most, I'm not going to play favorites is what I said to myself. But something happened. When I had kids, I came to the revelation that I can't love my kids the same. I love my kids differently. Why? Because my kids are different. Or let me say it this way, because they're unique. I love them uniquely. I love my oldest, Ellie. I love the way that she has so much compassion and she feels so deeply for people that she extends compassion and love and service to people because she loves so deeply. I love my youngest daughter, Livy. I love her spunk and her tenacity for life. I love that she gets so passionate about the most random things and she can invite me into that world of passion so I can experience it with her. I don't love my kids the same. I love them uniquely. And God doesn't love you the same. He loves you uniquely as if you're the only one on this planet. He loves you in his fullness 
Psalms 139 speaks of how God formed you and fashioned you, how he created you in your mother's womb and he knows all the intricate details of who you are because he's the one who created you. If we look at our hand, we're reminded of the uniqueness of how God loves us because our fingerprint tells us so. You don't have the same fingerprint as anybody else on this planet. It's unique and he loves us uniquely. Sometimes we have it in our head that God has mass produced the human race and he loves me just like I'm just another human being out here, just another one. No, he loves you as if you're the only one. He loves you uniquely. So why, church, do we compare ourselves to other people? Why do we compare, well, that person's more loved by God because look over there what they have. Look at how they're blessed. Look at how he gifted them. They're probably loved by God more. He doesn't love me the same. He probably loves them more. You're right about one thing. He doesn't love them the same. He loves you uniquely. Come on. I think we have to come back to the drawing board and understand the width of his love and how much in his fullness he extends it to us. We can't forget that today. Number two is the length of his love. Psalms 136 says his faithful love endures forever. God's love is long. This means that his love is lasting. He who is love is the same today as he was at the beginning of time. Through all of the centuries, God has remained the same. God will remain the same until the end of time, whatever that looks like. From eternity's past to eternity's future, God remains the same. And because God remains the same, his love remains the same. And because his love remains the same, his love doesn't change towards you. His love doesn't change towards me. That means that there is nothing that you can do to make God love you any more than he loves you right now in this moment. You can't get more brownie points, golden stars, you know, more like checks on your box of accomplishments to make God love you anymore. And you may be thinking like, oh man, like really? I can't make him love, I want more God. But what's exciting about the fact that he can't love you any more than he loves you right now in this moment, it also means he can't love you any less. There is nothing that you can do to make God love you any less. No sin, no mistake, no bad habit that could make God change the way he feels about you. Change the love that he extends towards you. Now, I know as I talk about that, you might be able to understand that conceptually. But not experientially. Because none of us have experienced the type of length of love that God loves us in. Why? Because we give and receive human love. But human love always has a limit. Even the deepest love on this side of heaven falls short of God's length because it will eventually leave you somewhere. What do I mean by that? Let me give you an example this morning. A couple just gets married and they vow on their wedding. I'm, I'm, I'm the female, I'm the woman, by the way. And let's, let's make this the man, okay, the podium. It'd be weird if I brought you up because of this story. 
And they vow, I'm gonna love you until death do we part. I'm gonna love you no matter what in sickness and health for better or for worse. That couple has been married for maybe three years and one night they get into an argument and the husband says something. He uses his words to say something that hurts the wife so deeply. And they didn't take anybody's advice, which was, hey, never go to bed angry. Deal with it before you go to bed. And this has been a habit for a while. So they go to sleep, and the wife wakes up the next morning, and she's so hurt by what he said. She starts to drive to work, and she starts recounting all the things he's ever said that are wrong or mean, and she just starts harboring this bitterness and just is so hurt inside. She gets to work, and when she walks in, she sees a coworker who she finds attractive who's kind to her, and he says something nice. He pays her a compliment. She's like, oh, thank you. I'm not getting it at home. This is what she says internally. Finally, I feel seen. Later that day, the two of them end up in the break room, and they have lunch together. And something sparks inside of her, an excitement for a man who's paying attention to her. A couple days later, she decides to send him a text message. She texts him. It was harmless at first. They were just talking about work, talking about, you know, casual things. But pretty soon those text messages turn intimate. And she starts talking about how bad things are at home, what she's not getting from her husband. And because she's found herself in this space where she's getting her emotional needs met by another man, she, of course, isn't fixing things with the man she vowed to love. So she finds herself in this space, and she gets further and further in this space. And pretty soon, those emotional text messages aren't enough. And that coworker and her decide to make it a physical thing, and she finds herself in another man's bed. Now, when the husband over there finds out what happened, finds out what his wife did, he has to ask himself this question. Can my love reach that far? Can my love make it all the way over here to where she was unfaithful to me? Can my love reach that far? And he might say to himself, my love probably could have gotten to like right here. Like I probably could have continued loving you in that, you know, as much as it would hurt that you were talking with another man in that emotional space. My love probably could have reached to there. But that far? Over there? That's just too far. Now insert your mistake, insert your sin, insert the repetitive thing that you do in the space that you find yourself in. And right now you're sitting in church, you got your church clothes on, you got your church smile on, you were just worshiping the Lord and you feel so holy, but take yourself to that space where you're in the middle of the sin, where you're back at that spot, you're in that repetitive thing where you feel dirty and you feel far and you feel horrible about yourself. Does lo God's love extend that length when you're in that moment? Can it extend that far to you? 
in that space. See, if we're not careful, the type of love that we just saw, the type of love that we get from other humans that isn't perfect, we can superimpose that onto the way God loves us. That there's a length, that there's a limit, that I've gone too far. And maybe for you in the room, you're like, well, I know he loves me, I understand that. But maybe you start looking at other people's sin and you start judging the length of God's love to them. That five-time adulterer, really? He did it again and he calls himself a Christian. Come on, that embezzler, like he's over there doing that and he shows up and he worships on Sunday? Come on, that's just too far. That's too great a length. That person over there that I heard about who's sexually confused, God's love can't extend to them, not that far. That child abuser, that rapist, that murderer, God's love can't get to them that far. But no, that's not God's love. I don't care what your opinion or your experience, God's love goes further than we can experience. That's why Paul talks about this and he said that God's love goes the full length. According to 1 Corinthians 13, God's love keeps no record of wrongs. Not your wrong, not their wrong. It's as if it never happened. It's as far as the east is from the west. And God's love, it's patient too. There's no time constraints on God's love that I got to figure it out. I got I to gotta get it right at this certain point or I'm too far gone. No, his love extends further. See, when the love of a spouse or a love of a friend says, I'm not going there, that's just too far for me. God's love, God's love extends to a greater length and it will always, always chase you down. Come on, we gotta know the length of his love this morning. Next is the depth. Paul talks about the depth of God's love. Paul's prayer in verse 17 for the new believers and for us in this room is that our roots, the roots of our life would go down deep into God's love. And that sounds like such a beautiful verse. I just want the love of God that you know. I want your roots. I just want them to sink right down into God's love this morning. Just let it happen. Just let it go. Allow them to sink down. That sounds pretty, but I have news for you. It's uncomfortable. It takes some pain. It involves pain when the roots go down deep. See, because in order for roots to grow down deep, it means that they have to be deprived of something on the surface. See, when a farmer wants to plant plants a tree and it wants the roots to go down deeper, the farmer can't give it copious amounts of water because it forces that tree to dig down deeper. See, when we're deprived of needs on the surface, when you have to pray harder and longer for that job, when you've got to intercede more for that healing, when you've got to walk through that tough season, come on, for us, we're like, I'm being punished. This is the worst thing. Because it feels that way in the moment. But God doesn't look at it that way. He says, this is an opportunity for your roots to go down deep into my love. 
This is an opportunity. A couple months back, we had Pastor Bianca from TFHOC come and preach. She's fun, right? You probably haven't met her husband. Maybe doesn't sound as fun, but equally as, equally as amazing. His name's Matt. He's not as fiery and spicy. Someone's got to balance her out. <laughs> well, he doesn't just co-pastor with her at TFHOC. He also is a level three salmonier. If you don't know what a salmonier is, it means he knows an awful lot about grape juice. So because he knows a lot about grape juice, he talks about grape juice a lot. And not that long ago, he was telling Tim and I a story about the grapevines here in California and what happened to them when we experienced a drought. We're going through this drought season, and obviously they couldn't water the vines as often as they normally would like to. In my estimation, I would think that the, they would be really worried about this, and they may have been. But because they couldn't give these vines on the surface level as much water, it caused these grapevines to have to dig down deeper into the earth to find life, to find the source that they needed. That following harvest season, something amazing happened. The harvest, which I would have thought would have been puny and kind of like, eh, it's not going to be very good wine after that. It ended up being so abundant, so good. The fruit was greater. The fruit was bigger. Guess what? The fruit actually tasted better. What they, the wine that they made with that harvest was unlike any other. Why? Because those vines had to dig deep down. And I think we can look at that picture of those vines that dug down and we can get a model for our life. I think we can apply that to our life today. The fruit that you're looking for, for it's on the other side of drought. The fruit that you're looking for, it's on the other side of a season of lack. It's on the other side of deep roots. Because that's where God wants you to be, because that's where he can produce better fruit in you. So what does this look like for us today? Sounds like a great analogy, but how do I put that into play? It means when you're going through a rough season, when you're going through a season of lack, that you make a decision that your roots are only going to go down into him. That you're not going to put your roots in that tough season down into a substance to cope. That you're not going to put your roots down into that friend that you would run to and complain to. That you refuse to put your roots down into anything else. What does it look like? It means when it is a rough season, means when there is something I am coming up against more than ever, I am running to the feet of Jesus. I'm running to prayer. I'm running to the word. And I say, God, I'm putting my roots down only into you. I'm digging deeper, God. You're my only choice. You're my only source. You're the only help that I know I need. Paul finishes this sentence by saying that when we put our roots down into God's love, that it makes us strong. It makes us strong. It makes us immovable. Because once you've walked through something difficult, and you've made it through that season, you come out stronger on the other side. Talk to anybody who's gone through chemo 
And it was the roughest season. They were sicker than they've ever been. It felt like there was no hope. And they dug their roots deep down into God. Him being their only source. They'd tell you, I came out stronger on the other side. I didn't know I could get through that. Talk to somebody who's been unemployed, who has been praying and waiting on God, who's been in the tough season of of trimming down the budget and taking the odd jobs. Talk to them. Talk to them in that waiting season as they dig their roots down into God and say, I trust you. They come out stronger on the other side. Talk to that woman who was barren, who she had no other hope but to put her roots down into God in the waiting, in the uncomfortableness, and to say, God, my roots go down into you. I came out stronger on the other side. I talked about trees. I talked about vines. Now I'm going to talk about a fern I planted. I'm just talking about plants today. We could call it my love fern. No? Did you see that movie? It's fine. It's fine. About five years ago, I planted these two ferns in my backyard, and they were called foxtail ferns, and they were really pretty. I had them in these huge pots. When we moved to San Francisco, I brought them with me, and I put them in my front yard. And um, God uniquely made me to where I like to change things a lot. I rearranged furniture. It just its how he made me. I'm sorry, Tim. But I was like, I don't want these ferns anymore. I want, I want something else in these pots that will greet people when they walk up to my door. So I was like, I'm just going to tear these, these ferns out of the pot, and I'm going to put something new in. So I put on my garden gloves, and I started pulling. And I'm like, I'm just pulling. And it's, it's pretty difficult to get these ferns out. I'm like you don't look that amazing. Like, you're not that big. So I went and got the pruning shears. And I ended up having to pull these roots out one by one because they were so thick and so established that I was tugging and pulling and sweating. And it it probably took me three hours to unroot and uproot one fern. And I still had another pot to do. Like, how is this even possible? In my head, I was going to use the soil that was already in the pot to plant the new plant in. But what I came to find out is that the roots were so entangled around the soil that the two became one. Actually, I have a picture of this. This is a smaller one. Mine was about five times the size of this. See, I had to pull and tug. This person was smart. They actually broke the pot open to get it out. (laughs) But the roots and the soil became so entangled, it became almost like concrete. I think this is a picture of what God wants our roots to look like down in his love. That they're so firmly rooted and established, it takes a whole lot to pull them out that it's virtually impossible. God's desire is that our roots would go down so deep that we would be so firmly established and full of strength that no matter what storm of life comes, it's not gonna shake us. It's not gonna move me. Not because I'm strong, but because my roots are down in his strength of his love. Come on, we gotta know the depth of his love this morning. Band, you guys can come. I have one more. You're like, you have not finished the measurements, woman. You are not done. The last one is the height, the height of his love. 
See, here's where we get to where Paul talks about it being under, uh, impossible for us to fully understand the height of God's love. We've explored, all right, I know he loves me a long time. I know the length of his love, the width of his love. I know the depth of his love. But it's impossible for us to fully comprehend the height of his love. And the reason for that is this word height, if you look it up in the Bible, Every other time it's used in the word, it has to do with describing something that either existed or exists in heaven. The height. Now, I've never been to heaven. I'm making the assumption you've never been to heaven. If you have, tell me. I want to know. So it's impossible for us to understand the height of God's love. It's an impossible thing. Basically, what Paul is saying here is that when we breathe our last breath and we enter into eternity, that there is a love that is beyond anything we've ever experienced on earth. As if the love, the length of his love, the width of his love, the depth of his love is not enough that God has extended that to us here on earth. God is like the best infomercial salesman, and he says, but wait, there's more. There's more. You've experienced a portion, but there's a fullness to my love that I want you to long for, that I want you to think of. Because when you experience my love, you only hunger for more. And I want you to be lost in the wonder and the longing for heaven and the height of his love. Come on, this morning, church, as we talk about these measurements and the love of God, I pray that you would understand when you walk out of this room, the true love of God. Not an imperfect love that you've experienced, but you'll take these principles and you'll allow them to sink down in your heart And with that, the roots of your life would go down into his love and you would be strong and immovable. Amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.